The e-commerce fuel podcast is sponsored by Shopify, the platform I personally use to host my own store. Why did I move to them from Magento, who I had been on for years? Well, Shopify has an enormous ecosystem of developers and apps. Their template framework and API are really well architected, and they're a hosted service, so I can focus on growing my business versus spending hours worrying about server issues. And best of all, they make me more money. Our business experienced an enormous 41% conversion increase after we migrated. Check them out at shopify.com. Welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast, the show dedicated to helping six and seven figure store owners build amazing companies, outgun the competition, and make more money. I'm your host and fellow e-commerce entrepreneur, Andrew Udarian. Hey guys, Andrew here, and welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And today on the show, I invited David Couillard on to come from hardcases.ca. More of anything, just because I wanted to get to know the guy. He's got such a cool story. He joined the private forum maybe two to three months ago. And apart from being a great guy, contributing a ton, he's got a very unique lifestyle, lives on the road, runs his business from an Airstream trailer traveling all over the place, and has done some really cool things, among others, building up 150,000 plus Facebook community around poop bags, which just seems impossible. And between his cool lifestyle, I wanted to bring him on and uh, just talk to him, get to know the guy. So we dive into his his lifestyle, uh, how he travels, how he builds his businesses, a bunch of stuff. It's a fun discussion. I think you'll enjoy it. Quickly, before we do dive into that discussion, e-commerce feel live, 7th, 8th, and 9th of October in Nashville. Going to be a ton of fun. I've spent the last uh, couple days going through the speaker proposals, outlining the agenda in terms of what we're going to be covering for the keynotes and the breakouts. And oh, there's some really good sessions. I'm excited to roll those out in the very near future. You can grab tickets still at live.ecommercefuel.com. And again, this is an event for six and seven figure store owners, people who work for store owners or professionals in the space who have at least a year of experience. I would love to have you come if you're interested. All right. That being said, let's go ahead and get into today's discussion with David. David, you have so much I want to get into. You've got a really interesting story. But can you give me a sense really quickly, just right off the bat here, on the business side, what kind of businesses do you own? What do you do for work? I own a few businesses. I started in 2000, a web design company and it eventually evolved in a web development. I started as a web designer, then started learning code on my own and became a web developer. So right now I started also some e-commerce website like uh, hardcases.ca. So I manage this, this entire website. And I've also started some projects with some friends who became pretty big called Earth Rated. We sell uh, eco-friendly poop bags actually. I'm excited to get into that story. There's some cool facets to that business. So do you still do web design as a, as work as well as running those two businesses? Yeah, right now I've started to slow down on the web design or the work. I've kept my clients, so I do a lot of recurring work for them. It's mostly consulting and uh, little fixes on the websites that I've built, improvement, marketing tactics, uh, some PPC and SEO improvement. I'm there for them as their expert. So basically I spend a lot of time on hard cases and I've also, you know, spent some times back on Earth Rated, but now I'm actually a, a silent partner in the company. And so you're originally from Quebec, but where do you live right now? 
Uh, right now, we we live on the road. Uh, yeah, we are originally from Montreal, but we moved out of Montreal a year ago, and we thought it would be a six-month trip, but uh, it turns out it's now a year and still going. Oh, that's amazing. And like I said, we're getting the business stuff. I'm vagabond myself. I'm really excited to dive into this part of the lifestyle story mm-hmm. of yours. Tell me about the road. Like, Let's maybe talk about the Airstream first. Can you give me a sense like, what does it look like? Just a real, in a nutshell, you know, how big is it? What's it equipped with? If you walk in, what's in there? What does your home look like uh, away from home? I guess it's your home all the time now, but yeah, it's a small home. It's it's a hundred and forty square foot. Uh, it's a twenty three footer Airstream International two thousand nine. So we bought it used in the U.S. actually in two thousand thirteen. And the international model is pretty well equipped. It's got lots of windows. You have uh, AC. You got heat through a furnace with propane. We have uh, a stove with propane. And there's a microwave that we barely use or never use, actually. And we have space for five people. But I must say that it's made for a couple, mostly. I mean, uh, I've had my uh, stepmother for 10 days uh, once in the Airstream, <laughs> and uh, that, that was enough, you know. I was, I was ready for her to take a flight back home. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who travels with you regularly? Right now I have my, my girlfriend, Bridget, and my son, Iliam, who's uh, almost two years old, and our two dogs, one medium, one small, which do take a lot of space. <laughs> So as someone who can attest to being on the road for a week in a little van with a couple daughters and my wife, who I love more than anyone in the world, man, it can get cramped. And so I'm just trying to think that was for a week, you know, and so thinking through Mm -hmm. doing this, you know, indefinitely with, you know, three people and a couple dogs, how do you do that? Does that get crazy cramped on a regular basis? Do you have to deal with that? And how do you get work done from the road? Like it's one thing to even just be able to kind of have a comfortable life there, but to be able to be in a productive environment, how do you make that work? Right now, I must say that we do have our times where there's a bit of tension because of the kid is growing. So my girlfriend's buying a little bit more toys and, you know, (laughs) there's only one little hallway and then you have toys everywhere. You have the dogs moving around. We're lucky because it's not raining too much right now. But when it rains, you know, the dogs are wet and it gets humid. The doors are closed. So we do get a lot of tension. That's something we've been talking about these days, maybe increasing the size to 25. That's not much on paper, but it's a little bit wider and longer and and the, the bedroom's a little bit more like a bedroom and not inside the kitchen almost. So definitely something that we're going to be increasing in size uh, pretty soon. For the work part, I must say that I need to schedule my work. I can't really be just hopping on some work like this. I, I need to be in my zone. Sometimes I either put some good headphones on, so I'm in my, my working flow. But then, you know, my son comes down and he, he taps on my shoulder or taps on my, uh, my leg. He wants attention. It's really hard not to ignore him. I, I hate doing this. So if I have to, I will go work in, uh, in a cafe or, uh, you know, somewhere calm. Like right now, I'm, I'm at the registry uh, information at the campground where we're at. So it's pretty calm here. But yeah, basically you need to schedule your work. I find it a little bit more productive actually because I'm actually, you know, schedule work and it gets done in two hours instead of just stretching it over a day. Sometimes where you just, you know, start surfing on Facebook and doing other things than work. So, yeah. Yeah, I've thought about that too. The less time you have, the more you have to make it count. And it's amazing that that old adage that, you know, something takes as long as you have time for. If you have a week to plan something, you'll make it, you'll get it done in a week. And if you get three months, Mm -hmm. you'll stretch it out, which is... 
yeah. which, which is, is crazy. How often do you move? And when you do move, like how much do you have to plan? Obviously, internet's such a huge part of, you know, it's your lifeline. And being on the road, sometimes I imagine you've got great internet and other times I imagine it's a nightmare trying to get a connection. So is that like a really integral part about the routes you plan? Yeah, right now, since I'm, I'm, you know, managing a few companies, especially uh, e-commerce, where you get phone calls and emails coming in and orders coming in throughout the day, I do have to plan based on the internet. We're lucky enough that LTE is pretty much available almost everywhere. You know, if, if you want to get hop off the grid, for sure, you can find spots where it won't work. But worst case scenario, I get 3G, you know, or if I, I don't have any uh, internet, then I'm going to go to the closest town somewhere where there's a cafe that I can take my emails and just do some work a little bit and then get back to the airstream and, and, you know, and relax and maybe get some more work done without any connection. Sometimes that's where you get nobody to, to bother you or uh, uh, emails coming in and yeah, it gets a little bit less stressed. So, uh, yeah, basically, uh, we move maybe every five days. Sometimes we try to stay somewhere just to appreciate the environment, unless it's, it's really some, some place we don't like. We're going to move out. But uh, we travel for a day or two, and then we stop for three, five, or, you know, we, we stayed in some places for a month, and it, it was so nice because we liked the area. And you start to get into the city and get the feel and the vibe, and it's always hard to leave because you m- maybe made friends during that time too, so... Yeah, I found that I think most people would agree that probably the hardest part about traveling isn't actually being on the road and being in a new place. It's the friction that comes with moving places all the time. That's that's mm-hmm. the hardest. That yeah, that three to four day or three to five day sounds like a, a nice sweet spot. Where's the best place you've ever parked your airstream? If you had to set it up in one spot, pull the wheels off, it was never gonna move again, its final resting place, where would that camp spot be or that parking spot be? Uh, it's certainly hard to find one spot. You know, each part is unique. You either meet people or you you get into an area that's magical. It's the first time you go there. I must say that one spot that I really liked was our first boondocking place where we were unhooked. No electricity, no water, no dump. So you have to keep your water reserve. And that was actually in a dry lake bed near Joshua Tree. And we also met some amazing friends there. So we were in a circle of airstreams uh, with a campfire in the middle. We stayed there almost for a week, just, you know, having good chats, meeting people that were on the road for a few years already and and getting inspired by them and just, you know, exchanging uh, experiences and, and seeing new ways in life. They would want to get into the the business side of things a little bit. So hardcases.ca, in a nutshell, what does that business do and how did you get into it? Like, what do you sell and what, what's the genesis story? Funny enough, I was using their cases because I do photography also. So I was using some of their cases to lug my cameras and photography gear. So I liked the product. I saw that their website was a little bit old. And I, since I liked the product, it was Canadian made. It was not too far from, from where I lived. And I knew uh, a friend there that was working at the, the company. I asked for a meeting and I, I was offering them to actually redo their website, you know, because I was really interested in the product. So I was, I was kind of pitching for a new website design and they were not ready for it. So right there in the meeting, I, I got the idea of asking them if I could become a, an online distributor and I would, you know, pay for the website. I would do it all by myself. And all I needed was uh, drop shipping and maybe, you know, a good profit margin. And that's how it all started. Very cool. And what are the rough revenues per year on that business? Lately, it's been growing really quickly. I was in the 150 per year. And now I'm going to be like between 200 and 250 per year just for 2015. 
Okay, great. And in terms of what they are, hardcases.ca, I described them when I originally saw them. I was like, oh, hey, David, these look a lot like Pelican cases, like very heavy-duty mm-hmm. plastic cases, a lot of times watertight, they're shock absorbent. And you said, yeah, they're kind of like Pelican cases, but way better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're made in Canada. They're not made in China. The design is a little bit like more, uh, I'd say, modern style. It's got nicer finished, you know, details that makes the, the case you know, a lifestyle kind of uh, luggage that you want to have with you. It's not just something to put your product in or, or your cameras. It's, it's something that you want to show off. And most people who buy the cases say that their friends are asking questions all the time about the case once they, they show them to their friends, actually. so. And so just to clarify, so you don't make these, you just partnered with the manufacturer and drop ship them, correct? Exactly. I don't make the cases, but I get a lot of people online who think I'm, I'm actually the manufacturer. Okay. So how do you in terms of kind of the future, stay competitive? Do you have like an exclusivity agreement with the manufacturer? For me, I mean, I'm in the dropshipping space as well. And looking down the road, I see that being, you either have to have a very particular niche where you can add a lot of value informationally, or you need to have a proprietary product. So what prevents other people from coming and going to that supplier and kind of, you know, driving your price down and making it harder to compete? I don't have exclusivity. There's a lot of other stores selling online. Most of the competitors, though, they sell tons of other gear. So they don't just sell cases. So I see my advantage as, you know, since I'm a web developer, I can be pretty quick. I know how to do great SEO. I know how to do design. I can test really quickly. So I I do rank well for some of the keywords that I've been targeting, especially in, in Canada, actually. So that gives me a good advantage, but it's still not in my control. I mean, I, I could be, I'm in control of Google right there. The manufacturer does sell online, but they do sell at the manufacturer price right now. But there's nothing keeping them from eventually lowering their prices. So yeah, I mean, the advantage that I have is mostly my experience in the e-commerce business and online businesses versus my competitors. I do have a, a pretty good profit margin though also on the cases versus a regular drop ship company that might be in the 30s you know i start at 65 on the profit margin so i can play with my uh, free shipping and uh, also on my prices for the the clients very nice does the manufacturer have strong like uh, minimum advertised pricing price controls because i found with with drop shipping that's one way if if you do have a supplier or manufacturer who's committed to that then all of a sudden it prevents everyone coming in on a price warrant. Instead of having to compete on price with legions of other people, someone like you who has a ton of experience with the product, who can put together a gorgeous website. By the way, your, your website's really nicely done. Um, Thank you. You know, you, all of a sudden it gives you a leg because price is taken out of the equation and all of a sudden people are purchasing based on quality and experience. Is that something that your supplier does? I wish they did. They, <laughs> they don't have the map price. And we've, you know, like a lot of, of the... The dealers have been asking for it because there's a little bit of a price war going on sometimes. I've had complaints about my site being a little bit too low. I mean, I could be five bucks lower and I'm going to get complaints from the, you know, brick and mortar stores that have to sell a bit higher because they have other fees to pay for. So basically, I don't know if if the manufacturer is eventually going to do a map price, but I think that would be a great move for everybody. And also it would keep the quality, you know, the perceptible quality of of the cases, actually, uh, instead of lowering the price so low that they they look like any other kind of cheaper cases out there. So who runs the operations? I mean, you've got a phone number on the site. Uh, Who's answering the calls? Who's answering the emails? I know you're, you know, definitely sometimes connected, but given your lifestyle, a lot of times you're probably not in touch, you don't have email. So how do the operations side of that work? 
Uh, you don't see me right now, but I'm raising my hand. I, I, do, I do everything. <laughs> I do the, the phone calls. I do also the emails answering, the, the customer support. The things I don't do is I, if I get a, a, an order, I will create a forward email to Plastic Case and uh, the, the Nanook manufacturer, and they will take care of shipping the cases for me. But besides that, I mean, that I do everything else. I have my uh, phone numbers. I will answer the phone when, when I can. You know, if I'm in the airstream, my son's crying and screaming, uh, I might go outside, but then there's <laughs> usually a question about a product online. So I have to go back in the airstream and try to you know, check the problem with the customer or something like that. So it's either I, I snap my, my wife and tell her to go out with the sun outside. So uh, it, it depends, you know, if not, I'm not going to answer the phone and most people will either leave a message or write to me. So, and is your business incorporated in the cases are in Canada, I believe, of course, in the supplier mm-hmm. you're on the road in the U S so I'm guessing though you're drop shipping from Canada. And I would imagine a lot of your customers are most of them in Canada or most of them in the U S yeah, I, I would say 90% Canadian, 10% U.S. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Yep. So do you see, I mean, the U.S. Is, is obviously such a, you know, the gorilla in the market in terms of people and customers, places like, you know, Canada, Australia, a lot of times those e-commerce markets are much smaller, but I think also they're, they're probably less competitive. Is that something that you've seen? Like, is that something that selling 10% to the U.S., maybe that's hard to gauge, but do you think there's a lot of opportunity in, in a country like Canada, given some of the complexities? I know on my side, it's not crazy complicated, but shipping, you know, to a Canadian customer from the U.S. is, like, there's a lot more logistical issues and potential uh, things you have to worry about and think through as opposed to just shipping within the country. So do you think there is an opportunity in Canada? You know, How big is that opportunity? And, and do you think it's something that, that merchants should be taking advantage of even if they're in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a great question. And you hit the, the thing there. It's the less competition there's in Canada is actually what makes my strength right now because I can have great prices and ship all over Canada because I'm doing dropship and uh, I can rank better also in, in Google actually. So since I'm selling a Canadian product, I have a lot of Canadians buying in Canada and they like dealing with the owner there. You know, I get this kind of really personal approach on my business. Since I'm also by myself, I know I might not be able to uh, to drive the sales to a million or two millions unless I start selling a lot more in the U.S. right now. But right now it, it satisfies me, keeps me, it keeps me busy. I'm thinking about getting maybe a, a VA for some of the work sometimes, but I still like the fact that I have direct contact with Canadian customers. Doing the shipping in the U.S. is actually easy because Plastic Case, the manufacturer, have a warehouse just south of the border. So orders will ship a day later, but they will still ship from that warehouse. So they get all over the U.S. right now. And the shipping is such I mean, it's much cheaper in the U.S. than it is in Canada. If I ship to Vancouver from Montreal, one case can cost me $75. And if I do the same thing from the east side to the west in the U.S., it might just be $40 or something like that. Is there, with Canadians shopping online, I imagine still a lot of online purchases from Canada come from the U.S. just because there's, there's probably more selection. You know, a lot of retailers are based in the U.S. And you can be honest here, does it annoy Canadians that a lot of their purchases do come from the U.S.? Is there kind of this thing where like, ah, oh, we have to order from the U.S.? There's A lot of times there's issues, there's delays in shipping, we have to pay more, there's these brokerage fees that U.S., you know, that UPS slaps on when they come. And how much of an annoyance is that to Canadian customers ordering across the border? And is it... A huge, I mean, is it a huge thing where when they can order intra country from another Canadian merchant, they just, it makes it so much easier? 
I do get a lot of customers emphasizing the fact that they're buying Canadian and they like it. They really like that that yeah. fact. And I do put it also in, in my comments. If somebody's saying that he saw the case cheaper on Amazon.com, I'm you know right now the currency exchange is like twenty percent or something. So they will certainly pay cheaper in Canada. So I bring that up. You know, it's like it's a Canadian product. You're buying in Canada. It's gonna be cheaper. You won't have any borders or taxes to pay a border. A case is going to get to you maybe in two days instead of being to you in a week. So at the moment, I've got a lot of advantages because of the currency exchange. But I know if that changes to be par or something that amazon.com is so easy for people to type in. And I do have a lot of people who are shopping for prices, but I have my other maybe 20% that shop because they're buying Canadian. So that's the 80-20% right there that, you know, those 20% customers who uh, are recurring customers do and, and they talk to me like I'm their friends. It's definitely something that gets in, in the advantage uh, uh, camp for me. David, I think one of the, the most interesting things, kind of just about your story and your experience, even maybe more so than your lifestyle in the Airstream, is the following. You mentioned right when you came into the private forum as a new member that you built a Facebook community with over 160,000 members likes on your page around poop bags of all the things <laughs> in the world. And I was thinking, man, if you can do this around poop bags, something that is probably <laughs> to someone who just thinks about it off the cuff, about as unsexy of a niche as you could imagine, who's going to go like a poop bag, you know, Facebook page, right? You can do it for anything. It gives hope to people like me who, who sells Snoopy radio <laughs> equipment. So how earthrated.com is the name of that product and that story. But I mean, we can get into the backstory in a minute. But how did you do that? How did you build such a massive community around something that seemingly would be so hard to do that with? Do you own a dog? Or, you know, or, I do uh, not. I live in probably okay. one of the, the U.S.'s most dog-friendly cities, but I don't own a dog. So, I mean, dog people, they... They like to talk about their dogs. They love their dogs and dog people walk their dogs. Most of them walk their dogs at least twice a day. So they interact with a, a product that's called, you know, a poop bag at least twice a day picking up poop. So it seems so like a, a basic product out there, but it's still an important product. It's, it's something you don't want to break on your walk with your dog. It's something <laughs> that people can get really picky about. So yeah, I mean, building that Facebook uh, community was all about you know, asking people about their dogs, you know, asking them questions, uh, what they like. People like to talk about their dogs all the time. And once you got, uh, we got the, the product out there with a, a nice brand, people started to talk about it, you know, at, at the dog park and, and you know, you, you're picking up your poop in front of somebody else and you're like, oh, ooh, what's that bag? You know, it looks cool. You know, it smells lavender. Oh, look, it's really strong. Oh, look, my hand won't go through it. So people <laughs> start talking about it like that. And we created contests. We, we were sending gifts gifts to all the people like huge boxes of poop bags with t-shirts and dispensers notepads so basically like people had this this huge box at home and they had to share them with friends so by sharing them with friends the, the brand just got spread and uh, on all our marketing all our boxes we ask people you know just go on facebook and, and like us and share your experience send your pictures so I mean, in the dog world, people will talk to you about their dogs for hours. So they, they like being on Facebook and showing their dog pictures. So they're going to come up on the company's Facebook page and, and start chatting about it and, and liking your page like that. So did the company earthrated.com, did it, this is when you co-founded or founded, correct? 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. I started with one partner in the business a while ago and uh, we grew up to five partners eventually. And then we have uh, about uh, 20 employees right now. We have uh, a guy working in China. We have people on also in, in the U.S. doing some uh, customer service, but mostly the, the companies in Montreal in an office. Wow. Okay. And so the, the genesis of that was, did the idea come from you were just out with your dogs with one of those dinky little little plastic bags that crinkles and just kind of looks <laughs> gross. And, and you just thought, you know, why don't we have better, better bags for this stuff? It's crazy. And then you just created the product. Did you create the product? Did someone else create it? And then you came on board? No. Yeah, I, I did get the idea, not because the bags I was using were poorly made, but the marketing of them were, was bad. They were eco-friendly bags, but they were coming to you in, in a plastic, colorful plastic, hard, you know, like presentation and the bags were black. So I, it didn't feel right. You know, you're selling eco-friendly stuff, but it, it looks dark and too colorful on the product packaging side. So I came up to my friend who had a lot of contacts in China, was already doing some imports. So I, I talked to him about, you know, maybe creating a product in a recycled box, something really two colors, really, you know, fun, but at the same time, really eco-friendly, like earth-friendly. So we went on with that and, you know, made a big emphasis on dominating the market with the uh, nice brand. I was doing all the marketing in the, the brand side, the, the website, all the packaging. So we started with uh, $50,000. We invested all, all we had in there and uh, started to get some loan, personal loans eventually when it started working. And uh, yeah, it, it just uh, went snowball like that. And David, what's so cool hearing the story and looking forward to meeting you at ECF Live in in Nashville in October. Are you going to be you going to be kind of just putting that on your itinerary, bringing the family along and just kind of camped outside the hotel in the uh, in the Airstream? <laughs> I wish we could do that. I mean, uh, it's since it's a little bit a little bit further from where we'll be, I think I'm I'm actually just going to fly in and and be there for the the you know, the event with uh, with you guys. So, my wife's going to stay with the baby and the two dogs. But it, it, I mean, Camping near cities is not always easy, so it's, it's better that I leave them somewhere they're, where they're safe and uh, I come down for the few days and have fun. <laughs> will be great to me. I remember last year, Ben Jenkins, who is also a designer, has this, you guys are really similar, actually, in a lot of regard. He had a, an RV that he came, he brought in, and he parked it right in the back of the hotel. And in between sessions, oh, really? yeah, at one point, he was like, hey, Andrew, come check this out. We walked through this little... Uh, kind of uh, staff service access and into the back. And he had, I just chatted with uh, the hotel and they let him park right in the back in this private parking lot. We just went back and hung out in his rig for a little bit. He was camped right there. <laughs> that could definitely be fun though. I, I can see that happening. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I like to tell my girlfriend we're not to make any plans too long in the future. You know, I like surprises. Sometimes we uh, we just meet people on through Instagram and they're going to be somewhere near us. So we just, you know, uh go on the other way and, and meet them for a week. So it, it's fun not knowing exactly where you're going also. So I could be great idea though. Well, David, so cool to hear. We'll link up to your Instagram account as well in the show notes. If you're a photography buff and like travel and e-commerce, gorgeous, gorgeous pictures over at his Thank account. You. Yeah, you did. You're doing a really nice job. Uh, David, been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on and looking forward to seeing you uh, shortly in Nashville. Thank you for very much for having me on the show, Andrew. That's going to do it for this week. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to check out the e-commerce fuel private forum, a vetted community exclusively for six and seven figure store owners with over 600 experienced members and thousands of monthly comments. It's the best place online to connect with and learn from other successful store owners to help you grow your business to learn more and apply visit ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. 
Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.